with me, if you will, if we, as we read Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, where we, we're continuing in our series, our, our theme for this year is a continuation of the theme from last year, roots, getting back to the basics of our faith, what it is that we believe, what it is that we, uh, what we believe the Bible teaches, okay? And we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and there was a part that we skipped there uh, as we went through Matthew 6. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next three weeks. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 16, says, Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. You may be seated. Now, for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about the topic of fasting. The reason... We're going to be talking about fasting is, as I said, beginning next Sunday, I'm challenging you uh, to participate in a two-week fast. Now, let me make this clear. This is not mandatory, okay? You don't, it's not going to give you any greater standing with me as a pastor. In fact, most of you probably won't even know that you're participating in it, okay? This is a challenge from me to you uh, to spend two weeks giving something up uh, that matters to you for a purpose. What is that purpose? We'll talk about that a little bit more as we go through this. The reason we're going to be talking about fasting is because of that two-week fast. Now, this isn't just an exercise in spirituality. This isn't an opportunity to let people, let all your friends know how spiritual you are and be, you know, at work or wherever and uh, tell them how spiritual your church is because we fast together. That's not what this is about. In fact, that's completely the opposite of what Jesus teaches us here in this passage. When you fast, don't make a big deal about it. My challenge is that you participate in this fast for a true personal purpose, the purpose of spiritual growth. Now, fasting begins with sacrifice. And for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking, as I said, about fasting. We're going to be looking at it in a progressive way about what fasting means and what fasting does and what fasting can accomplish in your walk with the Lord. We're going to be talking about sacrifice first. We sacrifice to learn to surrender to produce service. And those are the three areas we're going to be talking about. Sacrifice, service, and surrender. That's what fasting is all about. What is biblical fasting? A quick definition, refraining from something, food, or something else of importance for a period of time to accomplish a spiritual purpose. Now, some people believe that you've got to do it this way for it to count. Why is it that we as Christians always want something to count? Right? It's got to count. You've got to do it this way for it to count for Jesus. Well, I'm telling you, what the Bible talks about when it talks about fasting is doing something, giving something up for a specific period of time, for a specific purpose. And as, Jesus, as I said before, as Jesus said here, it's not about being, showing people how spiritual you are. It's not about broadcasting how wonderful you are and how, how sacrificial of a Christian you are. What fasting is about is you doing something, sacrificing something that matters to you for a period of time for a specific spiritual purpose. Fasting is not a diet. Not spiritual, a spiritual fast. I know some of you participate in, what is that called? Cleanse. Cle no, like 
No, it's a certain kind of fasting where you only eat eight hours. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, what's that? It works. It, it works. It works. I get, I've been told it works. Not for me. Okay. I, I eat. So anyway, after that, it's not a diet. Spiritual fast is not a diet. Listen, folks, a spiritual fast is not about a stop substance abuse program. Okay, you know, a lot of people, maybe some of you, uh, when you were smokers, or if you still smoke, you say, well, this is going to be my quit smoking time, right? Bad idea. Bad idea. Listen, if you're trying to, if you're trying to kick a habit, a spiritual fast is not a good time to do that. Okay? Why? Because it takes your focus and your attention off what the purpose of the fast is. In that case, the purpose of the fast for you is to stop smoking. But the purpose of fasting spiritually is for you to draw closer to Jesus Christ. Okay? So it's not a diet. It's not a stop substance abuse program. Those are great and even admirable pursuits, but the fasting that we're talking about for our church doesn't fit into those categories. This fast is a spiritual exercise that is pursuing God's plan and God's purpose for your life. Growing up in the church, maybe some of you who are in my age bracket, remember an old hymn that we used to sing, first verse, in fact, the very beginning of it, says, must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross <clears throat> for me. The Bible talks about sacrifice in different ways. Jesus explains it in different ways in many of his teachings. The Bible talks about different sacrifices that were asked of individuals. I mean, if you remember, if you, if you started to read the Bible through in a year program and you started from Genesis, it, or maybe you remember reading about Abraham, right? What was the big, the, the big ask of God to Abraham for a sacrifice? His son, right? God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now, we can get into all the, 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 uh, the foreshadowing and all the, uh, the spiritual aspects of that and the biblical aspects and the, uh, everything that has to do with the Bible about that. Abraham being asked to sacrifice his son Isaac was a picture of God sacrificing his son Jesus for our ultimate sacrifice. But that was a major ask. That was a huge sacrifice that God asked. And, and we know that if you read through the story that at the end, when, when Abraham put his son Isaac on the altar, was ready to plunge the knife into his chest, God said, stop. The angel of the Lord said, stop. And he had a ram for him. So that, that was that side. The rich young ruler, the sacrifice was to give up his money and his possessions to follow Jesus. Most powerfully, though, and rather surprisingly, and the reason I mentioned that old hymn, Must Jesus Bear the Cross Alone, is because of this. Jesus tells us that true sacrifice for his cause, now listen to this, folks. True sacrifice for his cause looks a lot like taking up a cross and following him. Think of that. Think about the implications of that. Think about the picture of that. Think about the comparisons that can be drawn from that. Jesus says that our life of service is to be one of sacrifice, 
that looks a lot like his walk to Calvary. The place of his ultimate sacrifice. Where he literally gave up his life to save the world. Galatians 2.20 tells us, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's deep. I'm crucified with Christ. I am sacrificed with Christ. Luke 9, 23 and 24, Jesus This is where he talks about that cross. Then he said to them all, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Then he, to to add insult to injury, he says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Notice this, he didn't say, Follow your church. He didn't say, follow your heart. He didn't say, follow your convenience. And he especially didn't say, follow the money. He said, follow me. That's a heavy call. That's a heavy call. This morning, we're going to be talking about sacrifice, what it means to sacrifice. Can I just tell you this right up front? And this isn't in my notes. It's not in my outline. It's just truth. Sacrifice is not fair. Sacrifice isn't fair. What God may ask of you to sacrifice for his kingdom may not be what he asks of somebody else. And the ask that he has of you for his kingdom purpose, to reach people for his kingdom in your life, well, that may seem a heck of a lot easier than the ask he makes of other people in our eyes. But as we've learned, as we grow, as we understand, as we get to know people, as we reach out and connect with others, and as we minister to other people, and as we build relationships with other people, we find out (laughs) that what I can deal with in my life may be a whole lot different than what you can deal with in your life. Life isn't fair. We could go around this room, and we could have everybody tell their story. Now, we're not going to do that, so don't worry. Don't freak out, okay? We're not going to do that. Your story is your story, and it's not mine to tell. But we could have everybody tell their story, and most everybody's story would be different. And the life that you have had to live, and the situations that have come up in your life, the chapters and the verses of your life, may be a whole lot different than mine. Sounds a lot like my house at feeding time right there. <laughs> your, your story and your life may sound, like a whole, may sound a whole lot different than mine. Listen, I make no, no, no bones about it. I grew up in like Mayberry RFD. I grew up in a very white bread suburban TV show, you know, 50s, 60s kind of Uh, Ozzy and Harriet setting, where we played kick the can, we played hide and seek at night. And listen, some of y'all had to go in when the street lights came on, not us. When the street lights came on, the party started. And our party was a whole lot different than yours. 
For those of you who had to go inside, you had to go inside because you'd get in trouble. We just had a good time. We just went and played. We played, yeah, we, I mean, we played all, we did all kinds of things. And we didn't, and my parents didn't mind because we knew everybody in our neighborhood. And our neighborhood was safe. And we didn't have fear. And we didn't have the things that we, I, I grew up in a house with a mother and a father. And all my friends had mothers and fathers. And all my friends' fathers beat their kids, <laughs> spanked them. And all my all my father, all the fathers said, I'm going to tell your dad what you did. And we knew what that meant. Our dad was going to spank us. But that's what I grew up. Listen, that was, that was a Norman Rockwell childhood. That's my story. I don't apologize for it, but that's my story. Man, that's a whole lot different than some of y'all's story, isn't it? Some of you lived and have lived and even are right now living a nightmare. The life that you have had to live was a whole lot different than mine. A whole lot different than a lot of other people. Maybe you've overcome some of that and some of it still haunts you. But no matter what, my point is this. Sacrifice isn't fair. It's just not fair. We are consumed in this nation with fairness when fairness is never going to happen. We, I, I might as well bring football into it, right? Here we are. It's the last week of the season, right? The Cincinnati Bengals are up in arms. They're angry. Why? Because they might win their division, but they may have to flip a coin <clears throat> to see whether they play the, the, the first round of the playoffs in Cincinnati or Baltimore. If you win your division, you're supposed to host a playoff game. So why the rules change? <laughs> because some young man had a heart attack on the field on Monday night. Well, I think we've all seen the stories about that, right? Listen, man, that's not fair. He's 24 years old. He was doing his job. That's just not fair. And, and if you're a Bengals fan, you may not think that's fair. But that's life. That's life. Remember that as we start talking about what sacrifice looks like when it comes to our service for Jesus Christ. And what he's asking you to do when we get into talking about fasting. Fasting is a call to service. It isn't a call to public display. Fasting, now listen to this, fasting is not a call to fellowship. Even though we as a church do this together for support and unity, we do so for support and unity, not as a source of public acknowledgement. Fasting is a call to sacrifice. Our, person, our purpose in this fast is not to endure hardship. That's not what this is about. I tell people, when people ask me, people who've never fasted before or, or have never done it like for this purpose before, they ask me what they should give up. I, I can't tell you what to give up. I know what I'm doing for the two weeks. Uh, but I can't tell you what to give up. I can tell you this. If it matters to you, it matters to God. 
you may not have, food may not be a big deal. You may see food as fuel. So giving up food is not a big deal. Well, find something that matters to you. Something that over a two-week period is going to be a real sacrifice. But don't make it something that is going to be your central focus, that is going to take your eyes and your mind off what your purpose is. Something that you're going to feel, something you're going to know you're giving up, but something is going to remind you of why you're doing this. To connect with Jesus Christ. To connect with his purpose. To connect, to the, connect with his plan for your life. To get clarity and understanding. This is not to endure hardship. It's co to connect with God for the purpose of finding clarity, direction, and purpose. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 say, Therefore, brothers and sisters... In view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. D.L. Moody said, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. Chip Ingram said, God always has and always will look for men and women who say to him, I trust you so much, I'm all in. I want your way, not mine. I am willing to live by faith. Over these, these two weeks, and the reason we start this halfway through is so that you can have a week to prepare. You can have a week to spend some time talking to the Lord, finding out what it is that you feel between you and God you feel is going to help you to understand the purpose of a fast. Something that will matter to you and matter to God. So that you will be reminded every time you give up whatever it is you're giving up for two weeks, you'll be reminded to read. I'm challenging you to uh, add to your, if those of you who are in the habit of having daily devotions, add to uh, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. There's seven chapters. One chapter a day, every week, both weeks. 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Remind you to read those, those verses. Remind you to pray more. And ask God for clarity. Ask God for understanding. Ask him for direction in your life. <laughs> now, as we talk about fasting... We talk about fasting for a purpose. Fasting, as I said, begins with sacrifice. So what are some facts about sacrifice that we must know and understand before we can truly understand that kind or make that kind of commitment to Jesus? Listen, as I said, man, I can't stress this enough. This is not simply a spiritual activity. So if you think that this is going to make you look holier than other people, don't participate. Don't, don't get involved in it. That's not what this is about. This is not about earning points with me. This is not about getting your name on the wall. <laughs> this is about you making a sacrifice in your life every day for a two-week period for the purpose of drawing closer to Jesus Christ and getting a clearer understanding of what he wants you to do in your life. And the reason we do it here in this church is so that you get a clearer understanding of what he wants you to do in this church. 
So what are some facts about fasting or sacrifice that we must know? Because the first step in, in fasting is sacrifice. Sacrifice leads to surrender, which leads to service. The first thing about sacrifice I, I want you to understand is this. Sacrifice may be inconvenient. Sacrifice may be inconvenient. I'll let you in on a little secret that many of you already know if you're truly following God's plan. God's plan doesn't always run in the same lane as your plan. God's plan doesn't always run in the same lane as your plan. There are many times where, I'll just be, I'll be honestly transparent right now. I have, I, at, at the end of last year, I just felt like God wanted me to make a change. Not here, but I also work another job. I work for the East Long Meadow Public School System. I'm a lunch monitor. That's what I went to college for. I want to be a lunch monitor. Great times, great times. But the purpose they asked Aaron and I to be lunch monitors wasn't to make sure that kids were eating their vegetables. It was so that we could connect with these kids because they were coming out of COVID. And let me tell you something, parents, if you don't believe that your kids have suffered for the last two years mentally and emotionally because of COVID, I'm not blaming anybody. Please, I'm not saying, oh, we locked them down. Oh, we made them. That's, that's not it. You suffered, okay? Just telling you the truth. They wanted somebody to come in there to be able to talk with these kids. And I've been able to do that. I've been able to connect with many of the kids. So did Aaron. I have to go solo now because Aaron's starting a new job tomorrow. Eighth grade math teacher, Veritas Academy. Yes. She says, I'm going to recruit you. I said, no. <laughs> it's junior hires. And then I sub. I sub occasionally, be subbing tomorrow. That's an easy job. But I've really felt like I want to do more. I want to connect more. I want to offer more to people. So in my second job, I would like, I really felt like I needed to make a change. I really feel like there was something I needed. Well, I've applied. I've applied at many places where I am. I am like, and I, I mean this humbly whatever, I am more than qualified for some of these jobs. They're entry-level jobs, and I've got 40 years' experience doing those things. I can't, hear, I can't hear a boo from people after the initial interviews. Well, one, like, I'm going to get you over to our hiring manager right now, and they're going to give you a call. Well, that's two and a half weeks. So I'm starting to talk to God and say, God, I thought I had clarity from you to make a change. And that may still be, but you see, my lane wasn't God's lane at this moment. So I'm having to really find within myself, <clears throat> truly, the courage and the humility to say, okay, God, I will stay in your lane. Can I be honest with you? I don't really want to. I'm just, listen, I know the struggles you face in life. They're the same struggles I face in life. I don't really want to stay in this lane. I would love to make a change. But if I'm truly going to follow Jesus with my life, 
I've got to decide whether I'm going to run in his lane or run in mine. <clears throat> and if I'm going to truly be successful for him, I better be willing to merge my lane into his lane so that I'll be following him. See, sacrifice may be inconvenient. The Kashbandari said this, stop opposing the truth. The truth is truth no matter how you take it. It is not going to be changed for your inconvenience. Truth is truth, folks. Just because it's inconvenient for you doesn't mean you get to change truth. What's the saying? You can have your own, your own facts, but you can't have your own truth or whatever. I probably misquoted that, Paul. You can have your own opinion, but not your own truth. Truth is truth. Whether you want to accept it or not is up to you, but truth is truth. And that's the same thing when it comes to God's plan for your life. Oh, you can have your own plan, and you can have, and there's, then there's God's plan, and the two can exist at the same time. But only one is God's plan. The other is yours. We are living in a society where everything is about convenience. Aaron was upset that we have a new convenience store here in East Longmeadow. It's, it was supposed to be Cumberland Farms. That's right. Supposed to be Cumberland Farms. And God had blessed our town with the Cumbies. But no, things didn't work out. And now it's in Atlantis. You know what? It's a convenience store. <laughs> you can go in there, buy a bag of peanuts, get some coffee, and get some milk all at the same time, and probably... Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things you can buy in a convenience store, pay three times more than what you're supposed to for it, but it's convenience. Well, that's where our society is. We have drive through everything. Now, here in East Longmeadow, we've got the stop the warehouse signs everywhere. You know, the old American, everybody know where the old American saw is? Old American saw, those of you who are, uh, American saw. That has been sitting there since I was a kid, and it's like empty now, and it, I think it's, I, it's just, yeah, it's a mess. Well, Somebody's going to buy that and turn it into a warehouse. Well, you know who that happens to be? Amazon. And people are up in arms. Oh, stop the warehouse. We're going to have all these trucks going through our... You know why Amazon wants to put a warehouse in East Longmeadow? Because East Longmeadow and Longmeadow and Hamden get their groceries delivered by Amazon, for crying out loud. It's convenience. It's convenient. Our lives are about convenience. But that's not necessarily what the life with Jesus Christ is about. It's not about your convenience. It's about sacrifice. Let's take that light off you and put it out on others. The hardships of others is not convenient for us. The needs of others are not necessarily convenient for us. But we're called to serve. And we're called to sacrifice. And, part of, and a huge part of the walk with Jesus Christ and the life of following Jesus Christ is about serving him by serving others. Right? He, the, his disciples, 
He sent them out two by two. He trained them to serve others. That's what our life is all about. We have a prayer team that's getting ready to have a, a day of prayer. Why? To serve others. This isn't about our prayer team saying, oh, look how spiritual we are. This is about them giving up a day to pray for you and to pray for your family and to pray for your community and to pray for your church. Sacrifice. The hardships of others are not convenient for us. But James 2, 15 and 16 say, If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to him, says to them, Go in peace, stay warm and be fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In other words, you can even recognize the needs of other people, man. You can see a world in need. You can see a community in need. You can see a person in need. But if you don't do something, if you don't inconvenience yourself for them, you've done nothing. You haven't sacrificed. You have given. Oh, that's kind of harsh, Pastor John. It's truth. It's the book of James, by the way. James is a harsh book. But it's truth. Oh, we can recognize the needs of the world, but are we doing anything about it? You see, we're called to sacrifice. 1 John 3, verses 17 and 18 say, If anyone has this world's goods and see a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside? Man, there is so much. We, we, could, just, we could set up camp here in, these, in this verse and talk. Look at what he says. If you see, uh, if anyone has, if you have this world's goods, if you, basically, if you are blessed by God with you know, not necessarily an overabundance, but you're blessed by God with everything you need. Clothing, shelter, money, food, family, love. We always look at the, the, the tangible things, but not necessarily the things that are, are, are not seen but needed. Care. Someone to talk to. If you have those things, but... You, and then you see a fellow believer in need, but you withhold compassion. Here we go. John is writing, and the Holy Spirit has inspired him to compare sacrifice with compassion. That's a different take, isn't it? We look at our sacrifice and say, oh, look, I've got a sacrifice. I'm going to give something up. Jesus looks at your sacrifice for others in need as compassion. Jude, 20, Jude 22 tells us in the old King James, of some have compassion making a difference. It says, if you see a fellow believer in need, but you withhold compassion from them, how does God's love reside in you? How can you say you love God? How can you say you live your life according to the word of God? You live your life according to the teachings of Jesus Christ about loving others and showing compassion, yet you will not go out of your way to sacrifice a little bit of something that you have to make someone else's life better. To make someone feel as if they are noticed. To make somebody feel as if they are whatever normal is. 
I've had to realize as, as I've grown older that there's a whole lot more people that didn't have my childhood than people that did have my childhood. And I can be very... Aaron and I went and visited my, my father's grave yesterday. It was very emotional, still very emotional, very raw for me. Uh, they have his stone up there and just... It was just real, you know? It's just real. I saw his his grave marker, and it just made it real. And I teared up, and I, I cried. It's just very raw. I miss my dad. I just miss my dad. It's been two months. I miss him. I had him for 60 years. I've still got all the lessons that he taught me that I'm still trying to process and trying to learn. I, I said to him yesterday, Dad, I'm trying. You know, I'm trying. And that's great for me. Some of you, and let's be honest, man, some of you would not go out of your way to spit on your father's grave. Because that's the kind of life you had. The father you had was so much different than the father I had. So I have got to find some way to be willing to sacrifice something of myself for others in need of just man, somebody to tell them, hey, I'm proud of you. Somebody to put an arm around them and say, good job, bro. Somebody who needs a father. Someone who needs a fatherly influence. Someone who needs a life lesson. Listen, when it all boils down to what the cost is, it's really small. It's not that big of a deal when you look at what you can do for somebody else. Jesus says, man, if you, if you see somebody in need and you have what they need and you can make a difference in, your, in their life and you don't share and show compassion, how in the world can you say that you're a follower of mine? The two just don't mix. The inconvenient sacrifice that God wants from you is one that sees the world through his eyes, a world for which he died. The second thing I see about sacrifice is this. Not only may sacrifice be inconvenient, sacrifice may be uncomfortable. Sacrifice may be uncomfortable. Maybe, maybe some of you are sitting here this morning and this kind of makes you feel uncomfortable talking about this kind of stuff. Talking about... Uh, going out of your way to help others. Hey, listen, sacrifice may be uncomfortable, man. The tug at your heart to dig a little deeper, to walk a little farther, to run a little faster, to love a little stronger. These are uncomfortable things to do, but they are the kind of actions that make huge differences in the lives of others. It may not seem it to you, but I am a very, I'm a very shy person. That's not a joke. That's, I'm not... There's not a punchline coming. That's the truth. I'm a very shy person. When I get up here, that's, I, I, that's the spirit of God. God is empowering me to speak. But I, I don't know what I'm going to do now that my wife is not going to be working with me. I am going to be the most boring person at East Long Meadow High School. I got a sub tomorrow, and I'm like, what the heck? At least I've got somebody to come in and give me credibility. Here I go. I'm a very shy person. I really am. I am content 
to be on the outside of a crowd. I've just, it's just, that's just who I am. I'm all right with that. I'm not afraid of people. I'm not afraid of, of getting to know people. I just, I'm, I'm just okay with being by myself. I, I just am. I'm, I don't know. So when, when the Holy Spirit tugs on my heart to speak to somebody, maybe some of you are like this. That's uncomfortable, man. It's like, nah, nah, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. Nope, nope. Got to find another way here, God, because that's just not going to work. Well, it may, you may not be a shy person, but there may be an area of your life that you are uncomfortable sharing. Can I tell you from experience... Sacrifice may be uncomfortable. Sacrifice may be uncomfortable. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. Listen to this. You talk about feeling uncomfortable. You talk about feeling inadequate. You talk about feeling uh, less than. Look at, listen to the, the first church. The first church established in the city of Jerusalem after Jesus Christ died. Listen to what these folks did for each other. Acts 2, verses 44 and 45. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. I don't see anywhere there in that verse that says they made sure that everybody pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps. Oh, oops, oops, he's attacking the right wing. No, I'm not, man, I'm not, because this is not a political zone, so just leave your politics out of here. This is a church. This is where we talk about Jesus and his ministry. Oh, well, I don't think, I think people should have to take care of themselves. Okay, well, the model church for us, check it out, man, they sold all their stuff and shared with other people. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. What you do with that is up to you. What I'm trying to make the point of is this. Sacrifice may be uncomfortable. Sacrifice can take you to places that you are not necessarily excited about being. Yet that's exactly what is necessary. The question is this. Are you willing to get a little uncomfortable to see other people come to know Jesus? Are you willing to get a little uncomfortable to see other people grow deeper in their faith? Good question. An anonymous quote goes like this, any significant advance will require a significant sacrifice. Listen to what Paul wrote about the churches of Macedonia in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 3 through 5. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped, instead they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. Are you reading those words with me? Holy cow, man. 
They begged us. They begged us earnestly for the privilege of sacrificing so that others could come to know Jesus. When was the last, let's, let's be honest here, folks. When was the last time you looked at your service in this church as a privilege? Not, not well, uh, you know, I've, I've got some extra time here. When was the last time you looked at the sacrifice that you have to make, the uncomfortable inconvenience that you have to make for this ministry, for this church? When was the last time you looked at it as a privilege? When was the last time you begged God? Told, oh, hey, you know what? I just, I, I just can't get along with that person. Well, whose fault is that? Seriously, we're all grown-ups. Can we get... Be- Folks, can we get beyond our stupid personality conflicts? I'm serious. I am, I am so... F- I told you I'm going to say it. I may not have a job after this, Aaron, but I'm going to say it anyway. I am so tired of dealing with childish BS. I'm so tired of dealing with people who cannot get along with each other because you're stepping on somebody else's. Listen, check this out. This dude right here, I'm the one that runs this place. If I say something's going to happen, guess what? It's going to happen. You want to go behind my back and change things? We're going to have an issue. Okay? I promise you. Learn to get along, children, just like in kindergarten. Learn to freaking get along. Get over yourselves. You know why I work two jobs? We're just going all the way here, Jeremy. You know why I work two jobs? Because I don't collect a big enough salary to work one. You want to talk about sacrifice? I've given up over $600,000 of pay since I've been the pastor of this church to see this place grow. Talk to this man up here. He'll verify that. You want to talk about sacrifice? Come and talk to me. Can you finally get over yourselves, those of you who have the issue, and stop playing silly, childish games in this church? Get along, folks. Stop having to be the center of attention. And if this makes you feel uncomfortable, that's the point. Sacrifice is uncomfortable, but it's for a purpose. Let's move along while you're still sitting here. (laughs) Number three, sacrifice may be unpopular. It may not be popular to sacrifice. John 6.66. If you want to spend some time reading a story of heartbreak and a story of bewilderment. I think it's the, I I think it's the, the greatest, what have you done for me lately story in the Bible. Read John chapter six. John 6, 66 says, from that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. I think John puts it very kindly there. They no longer accompanied him. They turned and walked away. From that moment, many of his disciples, we're not talking about people who were in the crowd. We're talking about followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. What got them to that point? 
before this teaching, I mean immediately before this teaching that Jesus was talking about here in John chapter 6, Jesus had done many miracles, including various healings. He healed a lot of people. He fed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch of five biscuits and two fish. And he walked on water in the middle of a storm. Remember that when you hear this next part, okay? And now this teaching that he came to was about commitment and sacrifice. And Jesus was getting deep into the weeds here about commitment and sacrifice with his followers. He called himself the bread of life. And said that in order to not only grow, but to see eternal life, we must consume Jesus. We, do, we, we follow this example when we have communion. We'll be doing that on the 29th as well. We don't, we don't believe in transubstantiation. The, the, bread and the, the bread and the juice don't literally become the body and blood of Jesus. We don't believe that. It is simply us following the example. And Jesus said, if you don't consume me, then you will have none of me. He wasn't talking about physically eating his body, but continuing uh, consuming his teaching and his purpose, making it your life, sacrificing your will for his, sacrificing your desire for his. It was very difficult for many of them not only to hear, but to accept. And then we read verse 66. Now, Jesus had just finished teaching about the deep sacrifice that, that following him requires. And this verse tells us that many of his disciples walked away. Not spectators, his disciples, because they weren't willing to make the difference that was needed to truly follow Jesus. You know why? They were in it for the show. Well, that's, a, that's your interpretation. That's what you want to say. No, man, it's their words. They were in it for the show. In verses 30 and 31, they said, they, these, these people that walked away, they said, now remember, he's healed people, okay? He healed blind people. He healed lepers. He healed people who couldn't walk. He was doing crazy things, like raising people from the dead. I mean, Jesus was doing amazing stuff. He took five biscuits and two fish and tore them apart and fed over 5,000 people. He walked on water. And in verses 30 and 31, these people said this, what sign are you going to do so that we can believe? What are you, listen to this, this last part, what are you going to perform? Oh, we're gonna have a smoke show. We're going to have a light show. We're going to have a wonderful stage. We're, we're, we're going to have a band up here. We're, we're, we're going to do all these things to entertain you. Kind of sounds like what's going on in many places. And Jesus said no. Because <laughs> see, Jesus knew that he had already done those things. And if you haven't believed in him at this point, my goodness. You're not ready to go on. And that's when he said, if you don't consume me, you'll have none of me. And that's when multitudes of his followers 
walked away because it was too difficult. Sacrifice may be unpopular. These people weren't interested in sacrificing for the cause of Christ. They wanted to be entertained. Listen, folks, we live in the least evangelized metropolitan area of the country, the most post-Christian region of America. Can I tell you something, folks? We don't have time for entertainment. We do not have time for entertainment. What we have time for is digging into our faith and sacrificing in our faith and giving up of ourselves just for the simple fact of other people at least hearing about Jesus. That's all. Just hearing about Jesus. The honest truth lesson about sacrifice is this. You may not be the most popular. That's something I probably need to tell myself right now. <laughs> Maybe I will take that door out. You may not be the most popular. You may not be the most successful. You may not be the wealthiest. You may not be the best rested. But you will be following Jesus. And that's what matters. What about you? Are you willing to trade entertainment for sacrifice for the kingdom of God? And lastly, doesn't get any easier with the fourth point. Sacrifice is difficult, and at times it can be brutal. Matthew 26, verse 39. Jesus is in the garden the night before he's crucified. It says, going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus knew what he was facing. Jesus knew what he was getting ready to be asked to do. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, please, please take this, take this cup from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. See, that's the key. Don't, don't be taken aback by the question, is there another way? Be encouraged with the statement, not my will, but yours be done. Listen, you don't always have to enjoy what God is asking you to do. Because sacrifice is difficult, and at times, sacrifice can be brutal. Goes back to that whole fairness thing. Sacrifice isn't fair. Life isn't fair. But what God is calling you to do is something for his kingdom. Jesus knew that there was a cost to doing his father's will. It was the cost of amazing, difficult, and absolutely brutal sacrifice. He asked for another way, but surrendered to God's plan. Very rarely is a plan that we come up with on our own actually in line with God's plan. If we think we have success with, success with God allows us to do in ministry... What do you think would happen if we did what God directs us to do in ministry? Listen, folks, if you think you, if you are just part-time, like a paper route in your service to God, if you think he's blessing you in what you are allowing him to use you for, just imagine what he could do if you would allow him to direct you in your life. 
Consider this real life example. Many of you may have heard this quote by Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott was a missionary who gave his life at the age of 28 for the cause of Christ. He was a man filled with potential, filled with potential with his entire life of ministry ahead of him. He had plans, he had dreams, he had goals. He had a lifetime of marriage ahead of him. He was married to a woman called, uh, named Elizabeth. He was a man with a 10-month-old daughter. But his life ended at the age of 28 in the Curé River in Ecuador. Now we may look at that and say, what a waste of life. Gone too soon. What an unloving God to take a life at the very start of living. And as we're human, as humans looking at it, we can look at that and say exactly. And it doesn't have to be Jim Elliott's life. It could be your life. You can say, what is an, what, what, why, does, why does God want me to believe that he's loved when he has allowed me to be in the circumstances of life that I'm in? Listen, I cannot explain why things are allowed except for this. God has created us with free will. You are not a robot and neither is anybody else in your life. Bad people do bad things. Good people do bad things. Don't blame God when he gave people free will to live their lives and then people live it. Don't blame God when he's given you free will to live your life and you've lived it. The choices you've made are yours. Listen, you want to you become an adult? You want to act like an adult? Take responsibility for your actions. What we're trying to teach our two 11-year-old sons to do. Take responsibility for your actions. You did it. You're not going to be thrown out with the bathwater. We're not going to ship you off to somebody else. I just want you to take responsibility for what you've done. That's all. You know what's probably the hardest lesson that we're having to teach our boys? There's a whole lot of reasons for that because of their history, but it doesn't matter what their history is. They still need to learn how to take responsibility for their actions. And so do you. So do we as followers of Jesus. Listen, I am so sorry. If it means anything, here's where that taking on that father's role comes in. I am so sorry that you had to live, had to deal with, had to go through what you went through in life. And that comes from my heart. That is, if you have not learned anything about me this morning, I am sincere. And I'm so sorry that you had to go through what you had to go through. I'm so sorry you having to go through what you're going through right now. Because I know many of you are going through things that are terrible and ugly. So sorry that you lost your mom, Charlie. I, I feel your pain, man. I do. I feel your pain. But that is the way life goes. Life isn't fair. But God is love. And as we endure the unfairness of life, we lean on the fact that God is love to find purpose and meaning for what we're going through. Jim Elliott just wanted to reach the Aka Indians, a tribe of people down in Ecuador who are unreached. 
And when him and Nate Saint and three other missionaries landed the plane in the river, the Curé River in Ecuador, and they got out. They were met by a band of spear-wielding uh, natives, Aka Indians, that killed them in the river. Right there. And they had prepared. They had left their families behind. Jim Elliott left a wife and a 10-year-old daughter to take the gospel. He wasn't supposed to die at the age of 28. That seems brutal. That seems unfair. And from a human perspective, it is. But we would say those things because we're not God. But he is God, and he has a plan for our sacrifice. You may think that what God is asking you to do is a bridge too far. You may think that what God is asking you to do is going to be unpopular. You may think that what God has you going through right now is brutal and more than you can handle. But can I tell you, he has a purpose and a plan. What, put, what, could what good could possibly come from a 28-year-old father of a 10-year-old daughter and a wife back in the States, what good could possibly come from him being killed in a river far from home? Well, his wife Elizabeth took his journal and took letters from the other missionary men that sent them back to their families and corresponded with each other. And she wrote a book entitled Through Gates of Splendor. Through Gates of Splendor is the best-selling missionary book of the 20th century. Through Gates of Splendor is a book that has changed and revolutionized lives and ministries. Through Gates of Splendor is a book that so many people have read. It's a college textbook now. When I went, I, my, my major in college was cross-cultural studies, otherwise known as missions. We read Through Gates of Splendor. Because Through Gates of Splendor is a peek into the life and the heart of a man who is fully committed to God. And what God asked him to do was die at a young age so that the life he lived and the example he left would live on for generations to come. Well, that's not fair. You know what? We can debate. Let me, I'll be brutally honest here. We can debate the fairness of that in heaven with the millions of people that will be there because of Jim Elliott's life and his death. We can debate whether or not God was fair to take away a 28-year-old father of a 10-year-old daughter. When we stand and talk with people in heaven who were influenced and won to Jesus Christ because of someone who was, who was called to ministry because of Jim Elliott's life and Elizabeth Elliott's book. You see, God's plan for your sacrifice may be difficult and it may be brutal, but he does have a plan. Jim Elliot himself in his journal foreshadowed this instant, this instance and his, his early death when he said this, I seek not a long life, but a full one. Like you, Lord Jesus. Huh. I'll tell you what, man, that just breaks me down. It truly that just breaks me down. Because I'm, 
I am, I'm just like you. I'm concerned about mortality. I don't want my 11-year-olds to grow up without a, without a dad. I don't want my grandchildren to grow up and uh, not know me. I don't want my wife to be left alone without me. Let me ask you a question, and I, I say this sincerely. What if that's God's call for my life? What if that's God's call for your life? What if the sacrifice of your life in this moment would have so much more of a powerful effect for the kingdom of God? Paul said, my desire, he says, I'm torn between two things. I want to go to heaven, yet I know staying here, staying here is what's best for you. So I will let God decide. See, that's sacrifice, folks. That is sacrifice. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying sacrifice is fair at all. Some of you have been called to sacrifice and, and man, my heart breaks, truly. And I'm not trying to, I, I'm, I'm just trying to give you some understanding of what that sacrifice can mean. Sacrifice may be difficult, and yes, it may be brutal, but no sacrifice for God is ever wasted or worthless. No sacrifice for God is ever wasted or worthless. John 15, 13 is a great way to end this sermon, where Jesus himself, as well, was foreshadowing what was to come, when he said, no one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Listen, folks, I don't really think a two-week fast <clears throat> is much to ask in light of eternity. I don't really think participating and, ask, and, and asking ourselves during two weeks of sacrifice, God, what will you have me do? I don't think there's a lot to ask. I hope you don't either. Because that's the challenge that starts next Sunday. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be here today, the opportunity to be in your house. And Lord, thank you for the freedom to be honest. Father, sacrifice isn't always easy. But sacrifice is necessary. Sacrifice isn't always fun, but it's necessary. Sacrifice isn't always wanted, but it is necessary. Lord, may we look beyond ourselves and see you, and see your purpose. Even though we may not see the end from the beginning, God, may we see a path forward. Bless us, Lord, as we go from this place as worshipers, as missionaries to this world. May we live your word to others just showing love. God, we pray for the many in our church that are hurting. I think of my friend Charlie right now who's dealing with the loss of his mom. God, would you comfort his heart? Lord, just bring peace to his spirit. Let him know you're there. And God, would you bless us all as we go today? In your name we pray. Amen.